Holloway announcement has been paid for by Crackleheads Everywhere. Emerald City Comic Con weekend just got a whole lot nerdier with Cracklefest 10 on March 13th from the legendary Hard Rock Cafe in Seattle. Hosted by the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Come celebrate 10 years of Cracklefest and nerd rock while Kirby Crackle plays the entire E for Everyone album. Joined by special guests coming in all the way from Denver, H2 Awesome. And live looping and mermaid pop from singer-songwriter Emily McVicker. Advanced tickets are $15 and $20 at the door. Show starts at 8.30 with doors opening at 8 p.m. For more information, visit KirbyCrackleMusic.com. You're down the street anyways for the con, so why not come down and lock with your nerd out? Cracklefest 10. We love soap so much we scrub for fun. We are wash your hands in time. Yes, we are wash your hands in time. Visit Wash Your Hansington, where people wash their hands, cover their cough, and get the flu vaccine. This is the state of the evergreen and impeccable hygiene. We love it when our hands are clean. Wash Your Hansingtonians are always friendly and germ-free. They love to give high fibers, not high fevers. We cover our coughs every single we are wash your hands in time. Wash your hands in time. Get vaccinated. Stop the flu. Brought to you by the Washington State Department of Health. Recorded live from the Emerald City of Seattle, it's the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Your home for pop culture, transformers, independent artists, interviews, transformers, and stuff, and things. Also sometimes transformers. And now, here he is with his extraordinary playlist, Mike Seibert. Hey, welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I'm at Mike Seibert Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, call the Mike Seibert Radio voicemail hotline, 231-224-MIKE. Again, that's 231-224-6453. And right into the mailbag, Radio at gmail.com. And well... Here we are. It's a. Uh, it is official. Emerald City Comic Con has been postponed uh, from an announcement on Friday, March sixth, ten thirty a.m. Quote: After many hours of conversation internally and consultation with local government officials and the Tourism Bureau, we have decided to move next week's Emerald City Comic Con to summer twenty twenty with date and detail announcements forthcoming. Uh, the full statement from Reed Pop, the uh, organizers of Emerald City Comic Con, can be found at emeraldcitycomiccon.com. I'll have a link for you in the show notes as well, but I'm I'm not going to read it for you here now. Um, so, so what does that mean? Well, first, um, primarily... 
I mean, obviously, aside from the con not happening. Now, it's also interesting to note that it's postponed and not canceled. I've been seeing a lot of folks, uh, you know, posting canceled and using canceled as their vocabulary. So I'm trying to use my vocabulary just to say postponed. Now, there's also speculation abounding that it may still end up just being straight up canceled, um, you know, when it's inevitably rescheduled in the summer. Like I just saw, like right before I jumped in the booth here, uh, that South by Southwest has been canceled in Austin, Texas. The first time in 25 years that event has not taken place. So who knows how it's going to go. But um As for right now, as of this recording, Friday afternoon, a couple hours after that official statement from Emerald City Comic Con, the convention is postponed and they're looking at dates in the summer. So again, what does this mean? It uh, um, Largely, it means uh, that a a lot of creators are going to lose a whole lot of money. You know, uh, hotels, flights, gas, and not to mention table fees. So... Um, one of the things with this podcast, one of the primary functions of this podcast is to be a champion for independent artists, you know, through interviews and promotions. And, you know, like I always like to say is I want to be a champion for and promote my friend's stuff. And I like making friends that that's literally the purpose of this podcast, aside from talking about stuff and things and occasionally transformers, um, so yeah, th- th- this uh, th- this kind of hits me where me and my friends live. Um, aside from being a fan, you know, I-, I guess I'm just talking more about like you know the 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 financial consequences and not just the the uh, uh, inconveniences. There there there's a whole version of this episode you're listening to now that I ended up just trashing because like there I did like uh, a whole lot of uh, conversational uh, discourse about whether the Comic Con should have been closed, you know, and, you know, I even kind of got my tinfoil hat out a little bit about, you know, uh, uh, should the convention choose to cancel themselves or should they wait for the city and or the state uh, government to tell them to cancel? So but none of that matters anymore because um, here we are and that decision has been made. Um, But I did want to point out that there has been um, a lot of grassroots support for uh, creators, uh, independent writers, artists uh, out on social media. Uh, Most notably... I want to specifically call out a page that was started by Casey Lau uh, that uh, that his page included links and socials uh, to connect with a lot of these uh, dislocated artists. He's been uh, he's been at that for at least a week now, as soon as uh, uh, I, I would say as far back as when Dark Horse Comics and DC Comics announced that they were no longer going to be exhibiting at Emerald City Comic Con. And then from there, the floodgates just opened, you know, where uh, creators were just dropping off um, amidst uh, uh, safety concerns. And incidentally, and I know I'm kind of like editorializing here and kind of taking a, a long rambly walk, but... Um, Shame on folks that have been uh, shaming uh, creators for bowing out of uh, Comic-Con. That that just, uh, 
y'all just look toxic when when you're doing that when you're flaming your uh, famous artist for uh making their own personal responsibility choice for not wanting to potentially get sick and or quarantined or um again i, I don't want to get into it because it's all in the past now but um Anyway, uh, Casey Lau, he uh, he started a page that really was kind of like one of my sources chronicling the latest in uh, uh, creators who had uh, canceled their uh, appearances at Emerald City Comic Con. And so I I think um, that's a really good place to start. Um, And that's a that's a movement that has really kind of continued now and has kind of gained steam in those few hours since that official statement. Uh, was made um, and that Emerald City Comic Con will not be happening uh, next week. Uh, one of the artists that I've been in a little bit of contact with is Greg Smith. Uh, you remember him from a couple episodes ago when we talked about the Retro Emporium and the things that he was going to be doing at Emerald City Comic Con, including hanging out at the Oni Press book talking about Junior Braves of the Apocalypse. And once I saw that Oni... Uh, Oni Press was one of the uh, publishers that that bowed out. It's you know I I reached out to him to see what was up, and at the time that he and I talked, he wasn't sure exactly what he was going to do. Um, but he uh, he tweeted today, uh, quote, uh, "Please go find the artists and creators that would have been at Emerald City Comic Con 2020. Check out their Etsy pages." Their websites, their online shops, their social medias uh, for those other links. Buy their stuff if you like it and don't wait until summer. Do it now. Uh, For a lot of folks, this is their quote unquote big show. So this is a real opportunity to help them out. And I, I think that's kind of getting lost in the the larger narrative of like the bigger companies and higher profile guests um, uh, canceling out of Emerald City Comic Con. Um, a lot of the folks that you see in Artist Alley and in the vendor area are locals, you know, here from the Pacific Northwest, you know, local artists and uh, local uh, uh, crafters and exhibitors and booksellers and things like that. So um, not being able to exhibit at the Comic-Con is a is a huge uh, financial hit for them. And even if uh, the convention postpones or when the convention postpones to another date, th- those bills and those costs uh, do not. So um, anyway, uh, if uh, if you have a particular favorite artist that was going to be at Emerald City Comic Con and now is not. Now would be a really good time to hit them up and buy some stuff. Uh, basically, the things that you were going to buy off of them at the uh, <laughs> off of the show floor and maybe a little extra as well. Um, and also uh, keep an eye out on the Facebook and Instagram pages for the Retro Emporium. I mentioned that uh, earlier uh, for details on what they will be doing over the next few weeks down there in Kent. Uh, they're uh, uh, both. Uh, Greg and Ann have talked about uh, giving a table space to local artists in the community. Uh, nothing that I can specifically promote today, uh, but you know I'll try to be in a, involved as as much as I can, however I can, whether through uh, interviews or promotion or 
not sure how any of that is going to take uh, take shape yet, but uh, just c- kind of be on the lookout. Now, what it also means uh, for uh, Emerald City Comic Con being uh, postponed is that the interview that you're about to hear is promoting an activity and a panel and an event that's not going to happen at a convention that's now been postponed. Uh, but I talked to Liz Bear from uh, World's Cosplay and Collecting, as well as Cybefest Northwest. Um, we talked about her panel, uh, Emerald City Comic Con Cosplay Crunch Contest 2020, or as I like to call it, ECCCCCC. Um, it, w- it was a really great conversation. Uh, we talked about cosplay and mental health, and we also talked a little bit about Transformers as well, including that controversial Windblade model kit and other hot takes as well. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, so imagine uh, like Hell's Kitchen, but with costumes. Um, it's uh, We give them a big table full of stuff they can use. Each team gets a toolkit. And then we say go, and they have 45 minutes to build whatever costume they can. It's uh, very crazy and a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. So um, let's see. So And and you had mentioned that this is the third year uh, that you've done it. Um, Could you talk about maybe what separates this particular iteration uh, compared to the previous two? Um, Well... This time, we're actually going to have a room set up for it because um, I've been uh, coordinating with ReadPop and uh, making sure that everything goes smoothly this time. Our our first year, we didn't get any tables. Um, they gave us uh, a big empty room, uh, and that was it. And so we were like, okay, well, what do we have? And we made it work, as cosplayers do. Um, we had a couple big sheets of cardboard that we propped up with some chairs and turned that into tables. And then uh, we didn't have any power strips or anything, so we uh, had to have a hot glue-specific like specific station that people had to take turns on. So that was exciting. Um, and then during PAX, we uh, had also expected tables, and we walked in, and the room was theater-style. Uh, and we were like, well, there's no room to work here. We have mm-hmm. 15 minutes to set up. What do we do? So we pushed the chairs aside, and we, got, uh, we figured out that we are adjacent to the storage room uh, for the Washington State Convention Center's tables. And we ended up just raiding it without really asking anyone if we could or not. Uh, And we (laughs) moved everything aside and pushed all the tables in. And it was the last panel of the day, so we got away with it. But uh, it was kind of risky. But uh, this time, they've actually set up the room for this panel specifically so that we have, uh, you know, workshop areas and it's all tables instead of chairs. It's all I'm I know it sounds like such a lame thing to be excited about, but I'm so excited (laughs) to have a room that has been set up for our panel. (laughs) So. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, because I mean that—that's kind of part of the cosplaying experience is kind of like that—that—that that, that danger element of you know anything can go wrong at any time, and a lot of improvisation and and you know really just kind of trying to work with what you have that's part of the fun of it but yeah i i i can totally appreciate where like having a little bit less stress on the front end where just something as simple and fundamental as having tables would would make things a a lot easier for you guys exactly having a workspace is is kind of the first step so we want to make sure we have that copy that so uh i i guess one of the 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 basic questions i would ask is uh at at a time where i've talked to uh cosplayers of varying level of experience you know from from expert to uh beginner uh who is this panel for um yes (laughs) it's for everyone Um, (laughs) it's because it's not a 
area where you enter in expecting to come out with like a full, perfect, shining suit of armor. Mm-hmm. We know that your costume's going to suck because you only had 45 minutes to do it. And that's, you know, part of the whole thing. Um, but, you know, you come in with any skill level and you give anyone 45 minutes to make a costume. And it's not going to be great, but that's, that's, that's the fun mm-hmm. is seeing what you can do in 45 minutes. And it helps a lot of people who haven't cosplayed before or maybe new to cosplay see exactly what they can do when they're pushed to do something amazing. Very cool, because like I, I, uh, I, I myself am am not a cosplayer, but I have a lot of friends that are, uh, yourself included, and it it's interesting how um how how do I want to phrase it? There there's there, there's a lot involved with uh, cosplay as a hobby, and I've just found that um that it can be very obsessive with details, and it, I think sometimes it can be, uh, quite frankly, kind of intimidating as a, as a hobby or as an artistic pursuit. Um, could you talk a little bit about how, uh, what, what, what the experience might be for somebody that is, you know, it, cause your, your panel starts at, at three o'clock. So, uh, like you had mentioned before, it's, it's getting towards the end of the day, uh, end of the day on Sunday, kind of the end of the show. There's going to be a lot of folks that are just kind of wandering around, kind of punch drunk drunk and rummy from uh from con going for uh four days but might have you know let's say a tangential uh, uh curiosity with uh with cosplay um what what kind of experience can somebody that, that like it's a long way of saying what what can casuals expect uh wandering through the door um we have a lot of people that come in just to watch because it, it's it's crazy and it's hilarious to watch it's it's awesome to watch people just scrambling around fighting each other for fabric that's hilarious um I love it. but we also you know we have we we have a lot of families will come in uh mm-hmm. like hey you know this is a cool thing you know my kid can kind of find out more about what cosplay is and how we do it and that's always super cool because those families always end up being teams and oh, then they nice. use their kid as the model and create just the cutest stuff but um it's anyone with a casual interest in cosplay, even just like walking past a costume and saying, Hey, that's pretty cool. I wonder mm-hmm. how they did that. will really, really enjoy this panel because you get to see and do firsthand what it is. Um, you get, but you kind of get the, the quick nitty gritty version of it. Yeah. Um, in that, you know, it's 45 minutes. Um, but you know, you'll walk in and, uh, we, what we usually end up doing is people will come in with friends and we'll end up with say 50 people and we'll say, okay, make 10 five person teams. And then we'll say, does anybody not have a team or does anybody have extra space on their team? So everyone kind of ends up in a space somewhere. Um, and then everyone's got, you know, people they can work with, which, you know, sometimes leads to future friends. We even had uh, one group of people that had never, never met before and walked out as a cosplay group, which was awesome. Um, and it's a great way to see exactly what cosplay is and what, you know, crunch time is. Yeah. Um, and then kind of find out, hmm, I don't want to do crunch I want to get this done six months in advance. So it's an exciting way for people to find out, you know, what cosplay is and what kind of, you know, what kind of skills do you Mm -hmm. need to learn to get it done more efficiently? What kind of tools do you need to have? What can you do with what you already have? I see. So it it would be fair to say it's like, you know, somebody as like a casual that has, you know, no experience with cosplay. Like you said, that this would be a good way to kind of test out the waters, because like if you can't handle crunch time, then you probably uh, might not be the best hobby for you. Maybe try podcasting instead or something. 
<laughs> no, we, there's actually there's a, a bunch of uh, people in the cosplay community that are right now, you know, making a, a kind of a, a voice to say crunch time is not a healthy thing for you to do. If you can't get your costume done in time, that's OK. There's other conventions mm-hmm. um, because, you know, you have people that, like I say in the description of the panel, if you stay up till 3 a.m. hot gluing seams on a Wednesday before a con, this is the panel for you. But also, <laughs> like, don't do that. Because it's really hard as it is, like, even just, you know, out of costume, you know, full day of sleep, walking around with a full bottle of water, cons are taxing. You get Absolutely. tired really fast. And and now imagine that with no sleep and, like, wearing a heavy costume and you mm-hmm. forgot your bottle of water. Crunch time is not something I advocate for, um, but it is something I uh, kind of have taken and said, hey, this is a, a thing we should not be doing at three in the morning. Let's do it right now and get it out of our system. Oh, okay. I I like that. Kind of kind of like a, you know, kind of leading by example, and the example is what not to do. Yeah, <laughs> do as I thing. say, not as I do. There it is. There it is. I I understand that. That's uh, if I if I could articulate what my leadership style it would be, it would be that. It's like <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> oh man, that's uh that's awesome. That sounds like uh, um, a heck of a lot of fun and a really good way to kind of close out the Emerald City Comic Con um, experience. Um, mm-hmm. I, um, being a cosplayer yourself um i was wondering if you could talk a little bit kind of kind of loop back to some of the stuff we touched on earlier in terms of like perhaps like the uh uh just a uh, uh, grind and wear and tear and uh and uh frankly mental health concerns that can that kind of comes as part of being part of the uh, cosplay community and uh perhaps some tips and tricks and advice for uh, what folks can do to uh, uh, maximize their their cosplay experience so that they don't burn out and keep doing it. Yeah, um, I am a cosplayer very very casually. Um, I I enjoy making costumes. I enjoy buying costumes. My my big thing is I really enjoy the experience of wearing a costume to a convention. And, you know, just being around people and having them, it's a great way to advertise, hey, this is what I enjoy. Yeah. And people will come up and start talking to you about that thing. And it, it makes your con a lot more fun. Um, and part of the experience, too, is, you know, having your picture taken, uh, taking pe- taking pictures with other people. And that's a lot of fun. But I am not one of the top tier cosplayers, obviously. I'm not going to get as many pictures as someone like uh, like Billy the Brick cosplay or Zach Labs. Um, my whole thing is I, I build connections with those people. Um, so I get to hang out with them more and mm-hmm. I get to do cool stuff like cosplay crunch contest with them. Um, Zach labs for anyone who does not know, uh, he is the guy who runs King con right now. Um, or one of the guys that runs King con. Um, and he, he does a lot of props and uh, cosplay builds like armor and things like that. Less, uh, less cloth and more foam, right. things like that. And he does work for, uh, some small movies and a couple of bigger movies as well. Um, and I think he's done a couple of, uh, like, uh, I think, I know he he did a, a chainsaw build for a theme park or something like that. I can't remember what it was. But, you know, these people that are, like, the huge professionals, they do a lot of really cool stuff. Um, and it's very important for people to realize that you're not going to be those people right away. Um, and a big part of the cosplay is just, you know, having fun and finding people that like stuff that you like. Um, you don't need to go out and spend like $600 on your very first cosplay. You can buy a, a a $40 diva bodysuit off of Wish and just go from there and just have fun with that. 
that's okay. That's an okay thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will, you know, you can take pictures of people. You can join the group cosplay pictures. You can, you can do whatever you want and see if it works out for you. Um, cause cosplay is not, you know, there's not a threshold you have to meet to, to be doing it. And you don't have to be staying up till 3am hot gluing stuff mm-hmm. to enjoy yourself at a con. So that's my, my big message is, you know, you don't need to be the professional right away. You can just come in with whatever you want, whatever you took out of your closet, even if you yeah. want and just go from there. I love it. I, uh, I, the the more that I interact with uh, uh, folks in the cosplay community, it's bizarre some of the parallels between cosplay as a hobby and podcasting as a hobby because oh, I'm sure. because there that's a lot of things. It's like oh my god, I got to spend all this money on all this gear, and you know oh I want to make sure I've got everything right. And my advice to those aspiring uh, uh, you know baby DJs and and uh, 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 podcasters is you know just do it it's like do you got a phone does it have a microphone on it do you have something that can record your voice well you can start trying to podcast i mean it's 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 uh it, it's one of those things that there there are uh really relatively few uh gatekeepers and and the wall is relatively low in terms of how you can participate you know there there's a lot of like you know free hosting uh applications that you can check out like anchor and a bunch of other uh stuff like that so anybody that that like you know comes to me all intimidated about you know oh my gosh you know i i I have this great idea for a podcast i was like cool go do it well well i'm like no go do it (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. So and and, and it's and, and I guess that that's kind of what what I'm extrapolating from uh, the advice that you're giving to uh, uh, potential cosplayers as well. It sounds very, very uh, similar and very parallel in that you don't have to spend a fortune to uh, get into a hobby. It's really just, you know, kind of, you know, start making some friends, do some networking and just, uh, you know, kind of I- enjoy the glow up as uh, as you go. Go do it. Exactly. Exactly. I like that. That's that's going to be my new my new phrase for cosplayers now. Just go do it. Yeah. I I love it. Um so uh so Liz, while uh while I've got you, do you uh do you happen to have a couple more uh minutes to potentially talk about some Transformers? Yeah, always. All right, very cool. So we know that uh you're heavily involved with uh Sidefest Northwest. Uh do you want to remind folks uh the uh, uh the stats on uh Sidefest 2020? Sidefest 2020 is August 1st at 11 a.m. at Kent Commons Community Center. Sidefest is coming up again and we're uh we're all incredibly excited. Um you know, so out outside of the date uh, because it, it's very much a, a save the date type of uh, scenario, I would imagine it would be too soon to say, um, "Hey, uh, is there anything on the Sidefest front that we could talk about that's exciting that we can uh, get folks stoked for?" Right? We're, we're kind of still a little early for announcements. Uh, for the most part, yeah, we're uh, looking to open registration at the end of March, maybe the beginning of April. Um, we're working on some back end stuff and some new options for uh, registration for both vendors and attendees. Um, working with some of the new options we introduced last year, like the family package, um, and making the registration experience easier overall. Um, and then, you know, obviously the rest of us, we have lives as well. Um, and it's this year, it's just me, Ben, and Jason. Uh, Rick was pretty busy this year, so he is uh, 
going to see if he he's uh, vending. I think is what he said he'd do. I'm not sure. Oh. Um, but we're looking at some uh, some different options and some uh, new vendors and things like that. Um, I still want to open up to the rest of the gym and have double the size, mm-hmm. but we have to get enough vendors for that first. So. Very cool. So, yeah, so stay tuned to uh, future episodes uh, where we'll uh, uh, chat more about Sidefest because, like, uh, you know, like I um, told you folks last year, I, I'm looking to be uh, even more involved this year and maybe do some uh, outreach to other outlets and kind of kind of try to be that media out, uh, ally for you. So I'm I, so I'm <laughs> excited to uh, participate in on that. Um, so that's uh, so that's Sidefest. And that kind of brings us into uh, the world of the transform. And I, I am just gonna start because I've built up all this, all this great friendship equity. I am gonna start by jabbing the bear figuratively. No, don't, uh, don't talk about the windblade figure. <laughs> do, you, do you got a hot take you want to throw out there real quick, or do you just want to steer clear? Because it's bad. Yeah, it's it's, it's okay. Listen, like if it was just like a, a, an anime girl, and that was like the character uh, was that windblade was just like a cute girl. I'd be fine with it. I have no issue with sexy figures. I think that's mm-hmm. fine. But like when you make like a bunch of the the whole thing from that from that line is that they they hire an artist to to draw their own takes on the characters and then they make models of them, which is very cool. That's an awesome concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you you know line her up next to this like really badass looking Megatron, it just does not look good. Right. It's not. Mm, mm, I'm angry, Mike. I I assumed that you were because I, you know, I I know I know two things about you. I know that Windblade is one of your very favorite characters uh, across all fandoms, and that you are very outspoken and opinionated. And I, you know, when I saw that, I was just like that. I. Yeah, I immediately thought. I wonder what Liz's take on this is because I've I've been kind of trying to keep quiet about it because, quite frankly, I I'm a dude. It's it's like I I don't think another forty year old uh, cisgendered uh, heterosexual white dude needs to to weigh in <laughs> with any kind of opinion about anything uh, because because it's it's not hurtful to to me and you know that kind of thing but i do know that things like this are hurtful to my friends and the community that my friends are in so from that aspect i i i i do find it hurtful just uh just uh just <laughs> yeah. me personally but it's not i i didn't have like i i i'm a completionist when it comes to windblade toys like i have i have you know all the you know i have all the figures i have the you know that the Theater that was only released in an RID four pack in Japan. I've got the the McDonald's stuff. I've got mm-hmm. you know a, a, a headpiece that I built for my own Windblade cosplay. And like I, I was like you know oh this you know it, it sucked because I want to buy all the Windblade toys. And I was initially I was just like oh well my response to this is I won't buy it. Like that's my that that'll be my my form of quiet protest. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Margaret Scott, uh, the creator of Windblade, had tweeted uh, something that. Uh, uh, said something along the lines of, wow, like, you know, I spent years and years building this character to have such like a complex dynamic and, and trying to find peace in like a, a really harsh wartime. And then they did this and I it was just crushed me. And I was like, yeah. that is so sad. Mm-hmm. It was it was harsh. Um, 
Oh man, I I have I have like a, a couple different uh, brief tangents and, and places I want to go with that. Uh, the the thing that that I I found really. Uh, puzzling is the only word that I could use is, you know, I so I, I'm relatively new to the larger Transformers fandom, you know, because uh, like, you know, I, I've been a fan of the brand and the franchise and all that, but haven't really participated um, as thoroughly as I am now in the fandom up until like a couple years ago. And uh-huh. the 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 thing that I I was kind of gritting my teeth and waiting for, it's like... Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm speaking out of order. One of the things that was really appealing to me about uh, Transformers fandom is that it was kind of relatively free of chuds. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you've, you've got... And and I discovered a couple kind of folks like that, kind of like in the, in the artist community and things like that. I was like, oh... Oh no! That that yeah, person's canceled. Yeah, when this happened, they just came out of the woodwork. And that's where I was going with that. And I was waiting for with gritted teeth when, like the chuds that have no um, connection to our fandom, started coming in. And and we've seen that now with with the videos and the you know uh, uh, just just vile tweets and and all of that other garbage. And and for me at least, it it was the day that I dreaded and. The thing that I I felt really snarky about it in a way because it's like this uh you know fans being outraged about over sexualized characters isn't something that's new. It's like you know where were you when when uh fan to- fans toys rouge came out? When where were you when uh you know that that awful gross upgrade kit uh you know was uh the, those pictures were circulating? You know where 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 were the chuds then? And mm-hmm. and so like like I said it was it was just something that i was just you know really kind of uh just just um it, it didn't make me feel good i i had like you know kind of like a gross sick feeling like man they 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 finally found us you know that that kind of thing you know like like we're yeah, like the rebel the, alliance and the and the empire finally <laughs> caught up with us <laughs> oh good we can talk about star wars too um but uh there was the i think we're both thinking of the same video that came out yes yes okay uh if you're if you're listening and you know what it is, great. If you're not, I'm not even going to say it because I don't want to draw attention to it. Agreed. Like, <laughs> they the the thing that I don't care if you make a video about like Transformers drama, but what I do care about is when you point out the people that you don't like their opinion and 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 show people their their you know their online handles and uh, encourage that harassment. And mm-hmm. it, and I've been watching kind of like how they're addressing that. Because, you know, you need to take responsibility when you do that kind of thing, especially, well, not especially, but even if it's unintentional, especially if it is intentional, you need to take a, you know, you need to have not done it in the first place and you need to take responsibility when you do. Mm -hmm. But um, their responsibility for this was people started mass reporting the video for, you know, essentially doxing this woman. um, And Mm -hmm. they put a disclaimer in their description that said, please do not contact anyone in the video. And it just, it reads so much like we only did this so that YouTube can't do anything about the reports. Oh and my gosh. it's, it's so infuriating. And I, I, uh, I spoke to the woman that was, uh, that had been, you know, receiving quite a bit of hate after her tweet had been put in the video. Yeah. Um, and it was, it, I, you know, I said like, you know, Hey, I'm sorry. You have to bear the brunt of this. Uh, you know, it sucks a lot. You know, I just want to say thank you for standing up. 
And she was like, yeah, you know, I have a handful of friends that, that worked on this and, and I, it just, you know, it, it makes me very sad. And I wanted to say something because I know that their tongues are kind of tied when they're still in league with Hasbro. And it was, it, you know, she, we didn't speak a whole lot, but it was just so frustrating yeah. to just to see. And anytime you click on any of her tweets, it's just filled with replies of just people telling her the most awful things. So. Yeah. And, and and yeah, like like I was mentioning earlier, it was like that that was that was the day I was afraid would uh, I was afraid of. And and, mm-hmm. and it finally happened. And 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 the thing that that pisses me off is that the the uh, uh, for for lack of a better term, the, the chud rhetoric is just the mm-hmm. same stuff that they've always said about other fandoms. They've just copied and pasted uh, Transformers stuff. You know, right. and, and they're they're not like interested in Transformers either. They're just exactly. people that followed that particular YouTube channel and yes. have come to to spread their their hatred in the Transformers fandom, and it's very frustrating. Yeah, and you know, and and uh, another another component of that is, oh well, I'm going to buy that, you know, to to support it. You know, by the time this thing comes out, the, the, these fucking knuckleheads will forget about it. And and it just it just uh, it just it, it's it's aggravating and. I don't remember at what point it occurred to me, but I didn't realize that this was actually a Hasbro licensed product at first. I I kind of when I was trying to organize my thoughts in terms of uh, how I felt and, you know, those things I shared with you earlier, it's like, well, you know, this type of representation and people being upset about it isn't necessarily new i've seen it more than a couple times just in my brief time in the fandom but then i was like oh wait a second having that hasbro shield on it changes everything yeah it's it's a licensed model kit and it's very frustrating that hasbro would approve something like that exactly But anyway, I just, I, I just, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't at least ask you for a hot take on it because <laughs> I, I know, like, like I said, I, I know that that Windblade is a character that is very dear to you, and I, I thought that you would have um, at least a thought or two. Um, Whoa, those were some seriously hot takes. How do you feel about it? Let Mike know on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Mike Cyber Radio. But that being said, you know, to so that we can kind of close things out on a positive note, what's uh, uh what are you liking out there out in Transformers fandom? We've uh, you know, we've had like a whole slew of, you know, uh, new toys announced, you know, we've uh, you know, kind of seen glimpses of the new show, uh the the Netflix show, I mean, we've also had glimpses of uh the the uh unfortunately final season of uh Cyberverse, but I figured like um, you know, kind of kind of dealer's choice is there anything in particular that's coming up that's on your radar that uh that you're especially excited about um i just finished watching the last season of cyberverse uh and i enjoyed it quite a bit uh it's not widely like circulated yet but just the way they've chosen to distribute it means that it will be very soon Mm -hmm. um i expect it'll start popping up on youtube very shortly um but it uh i I loved it it was really good i'm sad that there's not going to be more yeah um because it's it Cyberverse is, is very obviously it was it was made to be a toy commercial in the same manner G1 was, um, but they've done a lot with all these characters that we haven't gotten a chance to see on screen before, like mm-hmm. Rack and Ruin and uh, to an extent Whirl, um, and that is just it, it was is so fun to watch. It was super cool. They did a lot of really 
really neat things uh, story-wise. Uh, showed a lot of things that we haven't seen since G1. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not obviously. I'm not going to say a whole lot because it's you know at this point it's still spoiler territory. Yeah. Um, but it was it was very good, and I highly recommend it. In in addition to the Windblade figures uh, or the the Windblade model kit we were talking about, uh, we've also seen uh, not just uh, Earthrise Deluxe RC, uh, but we've also seen Masterpiece RC. Do you uh, uh, do you happen to have hot takes on either of those figures? Um, Earthrise RC uh, or no, sorry, not Earthrise RC. Uh, Cyberverse RC looks super cool. Um, she looks like a, r- a really cute figure that kind of harkens back to the animated RC toy. Um, but, uh, Earthrise RC and, and Masterpiece RC, honestly, they don't look a whole lot different than Thrilling 30 RC to me. Um, and I think Thrilling 30 RC, you know, was a pretty cool figure. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a whole, a huge fan of the surfboard, but, uh, with a, with a character designed the way that RC is and that she's just a woman with a large backpack. Right. Uh, there's not a lot you can do. Uh, so, I mean, like, you know, they did what they had to, I suppose, without, you know, kind of straying from the character design too much uh and it, it it's fine I, i'm not yeah. super pumped about it obviously sure. i'll buy it because i'm an rc completionist too yeah yeah but uh I, out of the new rc figures we've seen I, i'm most pumped about the cyberverse rc because she looks adorable yeah so. and and i i really like how uh uh rc is portrayed in cyberverse she's it, it, did, it, did you, you saw my post in transformers bot posting didn't you i did yeah, I love her. She's great. Yeah, she's just like she's she's just she's a character. She's just there. She's a she's. I, I appreciate having a woman on screen that is just like existing yeah. and being a woman and also a soldier at the same time. And like sometimes she's just taking selfies with the other crew members <laughs> and like just like random animals she sees on Earth that she thinks are neat. Yep. And then sometimes she's like wielding a machine gun and she's not like crazy laughing about it like Harley Quinn style or anything. And she's not like everyone i love is dead like right she's she's just she's existing she's there she's having a good time like she's not she's not insane right it's awesome yeah she's living her best life yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Simply vibing. I, I I love it, and and I th- I think I think that's the the best way you could put it. You know, uh, uh, just existing, which I, yeah. I I think is great because I mean I I love IDW, but man, it get, gets a little grim dark for me sometimes. And oh yeah, I love IDW RC too. Don't don't get me wrong. Exactly. I love her. She's great. But also, I love when women are simply there. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think like, I mean, uh, you know, to, to paint in the broadest, fattest brush possible, I, I think like when male creators kind of try to characterize female characters, they're like, oh, well, you know, you know, try to like imprint like almost masculine traits or just be like, oh, well, you know, you know, she needs to be hard and cold and violent. And, and yeah, and, and it th- seems like there's a there's a spectrum and they go with either end of either, you know, you go either Harley Quinn or, uh, you know, just like any time a woman holds a gun, she's just, you know, clinically insane. Right. Or, you know, they they're they've lost everyone they care about in the world is a cold, dark place. And uh-huh. they know that now, like. She's just there, and she's a woman. Yep, it's yep. nice. I, I and and it's refreshing, quite frankly. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It really is. Yeah, I, I really enjoy Cyberverse. It's such a good show. It is. It's not. You know, obviously, it's not the most deep. You know, thought provoking show there is. It's. It's. 
it's a, it's a toy commercial, but it yeah. is a very very fun toy commercial. Exactly, and and I think that's that's kind of one of the the first thing. I mean, uh, one one of the things that I can think of in recent times that kind of harkens back to that that unabashed toy commercial '80s zaniness of G one. It I see mm-hmm. I see a lot of G one in Cyberverse in. In a, in a really fun way, in a way that, like, I think sometimes folks my particular age don't, in that, you know, they, they like the IDW continuity. They're, you know, hardcore third-party collectors, and it's like, you know, if they if they had their druthers, everything would be, you know, the characters we love, but in, you know, kind of more uh, uh, adult situations, and it's just... Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and that's fine, but I think sometimes we in in, in our own adulthood and maturity, we kind of drift from what the brand really kind of started with and really kind of what it is. And it really is to sell toys. Yeah, <laughs> so. and it, it's important to remember that that Transformers is a children's brand. Yes, um, they've you know obviously they they have they have have made some concessions for the adults that love transformers and i greatly appreciate that mm-hmm. i love having the comics i love having the the um you know the the really expensive masterpiece toys i don't mm-hmm. have a lot of them because they are very expensive and i still have the budget of a small child <laughs> but i i really appreciate it and i i i love you know when when i'm teaching uh i transformers is often common ground for me and students and that's great mm-hmm. so but it is important not to forget that Transformers is for kids, you know, first and foremost, and that there are going to be things made for kids. So don't get mad when it's for kids. Yeah, and, and that's okay. <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> and that's and that's the thing also. Um, so, Liz, I really appreciate you uh, uh, spending uh, the time and some extra time to uh, do some bonus uh, uh, Transformers talk. Um, again, the panel is going to be the ECCC Cosplay Crunch Contest 2020, hosted by Worlds Cosplay and Collecting. That is going to be uh, Sunday, March 15th at Emerald City Comic Con. So you need to be at the con and have a, a con admission to get in. That is going to be uh, from 3 to 4 p.m. in TCC room L2R4, which we determined is uh, level two room four. I'm I'm sure, <laughs> um, and um, and yeah, it, it just it seems like it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, Liz, before we let you go, any uh, any parting thoughts? Thanks for having me, Mike. Of course. And um, do you have uh, uh, how can folks uh, connect with you on the internet and the social medias if they want to keep up with everything uh, World's Cosplay and Collecting and anything else you've got going on? Uh, Facebook, if you want to find my Facebook page for cosplay, it's just slash World Cosplay, or you can look for World's Cosplay and Collecting. Um, and then Twitter, you can just follow me at Elizabeth underscore M underscore B. Or you can follow Sidefest Northwest, which is also a very cool Twitter account and a very cool Facebook page. <laughs> very so. cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking the time, and we will uh, um, we will chat sometime in the near future. Of course. Have me on after Clone Wars is done. <laughs>
And like I mentioned at the top, uh, you know, talking about that kind of uh, uh, grassroots support for independent artists and folks that have been kind of uh, displaced by the decision to postpone Emerald City Comic Con. uh, Liz has also been on that ground level trying to connect and network with local shops and trying to connect uh, artists with a place to sell their wares and do signings as well. Um, If I find anything out specifically, I will share any of that uh, information as aggressively as I can on the Mike Cyber radio uh, social medias as well. Um, and I, I hope to share uh, any updates I might have on any of that front, because I, I, I imagine there's there's going to be a small wellspring of various little pop-ups instead of like a convention it'll just be kind of like a series of small pop-ups which i think could be kind of cool because the other thing is is i'm sure that there are folks that were coming in from out of town uh for emerald city comic-con whether they were fans or creators um that are probably still going to come you know, maybe they they've already got the time off. They've already got the hotel. They've already got the flight and maybe don't want to deal with all of that canceling. Not, you know, not knowing what anyone's individual situation is. But um, Seattle is a really cool city and there is a lot to do and see. And, uh, you know, not having 100,000 people in one place um, is uh, is kind of a good thing. And I uh, so I'll, I'll be excited to see what happens, uh, certainly over the next couple days and into the next week. Um, hopefully I'll have uh, uh, some more updates for you in a future episode. Um, speaking of, uh, later this weekend, um, it's my interview with the members of H2I. Awesome, and we'll be talking about Crackle Fest. Um, that that was a really fun episode. I got to catch up with uh, uh, Jeff and John, and got to meet Suzanne over the phone. Um, I I talked to H Two Awesome a few years ago when they played Crackle Fest, so it was kind of nice to kind of catch up and and kind of kind of sort of pick up where we left off at. Even though uh, you know life life is a little different now, but uh, it's that's a really fun interview. I think you're really going to get a kick out. Out of it, uh, but that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to listen to our past shows, subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Five stars, please. Mike Seibert Radio is produced by Dave Sanders for Mike Seibert Radio. My name is Mike. And until next time, make good choices. And by make good choices, I'm going to say, wash your hands. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSeibertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out bydoormusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production. Visit Wash Your Handsington, where people wash their hands, cover their cough, and get the flu vaccine. Wash Your Hansingtonians are always friendly and germ-free. They love to give high fivers, not high fevers. We love soap so much we scrub for fun. We are Wash Your Handsington. Yes, we are wash your hands. Wash your hands and tongue.
This is the state of the earth of the green and impeccable And impeccable hygiene We love it when, we love our, it when our hands are clean We cover our coughs every single one Wash your hands in ton. Wash your hands in ton. Wash your hands in ton. Get vaccinated. Stop the flu. Brought to you by the Washington State Department of Health. Wash your hands in ton.